Hey babe, welcome to the She Factor Podcast, a space where we believe empowered women empower women. We're here to inspire, encourage, and equip you to live your best life and find your purpose. Join me every week as we dish out real life tips and tricks on all things juicy, inspiring, and educational, but of course, never boring. I'm Tori Ganahl, a millennial woman on my own journey to She, and your host of the She Factor Podcast. Grab your favorite cocktail or Starbucks drink and settle in for real, raw, and hilarious conversations as we dive into what makes us as women unstoppable. I cannot wait for you guys to meet today's guest. And weirdly enough, I remember reading your article in Cosmopolitan about a year ago about how you went on 30 dates in one weekend and thinking like, this girl is just dialed in to the whole dating process. Like one, how did you do it? Two, why? I can't wait to dive into all the questions, but uh, like a Google doc. That was my favorite part about the article is that you had a Google doc with photos and infos and numbers to keep track of all these guys. Basically living the life of, a bachelorette on your own terms. I love it. So I know that there's going to be some amazing tips and information that comes out of this conversation. But for those who don't know her, Gabby Conti is, I mean, you have a full list of resume items that I won't be able to get through. So I'll let you do the talking on that part. But the short version is you're a dating expert, host, writer, comedian, and author of the amazing new book, 20 Guys You Date in Your 20s, which I'm reading right now and I'm absolutely in love with. So so much more about you that I didn't mention, but can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you landed where you are today? Sure. Well, I think like most paths, it wasn't a straight line. It was kind of all over the place. I've always been a writer. That's always been a constant in my life since I was as a little baby girl until, uh, you know, now uh, I studied broadcast journalism in college and kind of fell in love with writing. Never was a fan of hard news, but was always a fan of like writing about people and my own personal experiences. That was my journey too. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) And when I graduated college, I moved out to Los Angeles because I wanted to work in television and comedy, which is what I did do. I I worked on various shows for Comedy Central as an assistant and talent coordinator, started doing stand-up comedy, and also fell into sketch comedy, and so kind of fell into the digital space more with that, all the while having like the nine-to-five job, which was working in production, and then I would have the side hustle, which was stand-up, sketch, and also blogging. Um, I've had a blog since college, And um, I had this crazy experience where I went on Millionaire Matchmaker. But it was actually funny because that experience happened in the book. There's a chapter, the guy who texts you sup at 2 a.m. And I was out at a club with him and my friends. And a woman approached me and asked me if I wanted to be on the show. And I kind of did it in a way to get him to try to like commit to me, which like obviously (laughs) didn't work out because he just encouraged me to go on it. And I did to like prove something. And the experience ended up being incredibly humiliating they kind of made me look out to be like the reject. Like they, they didn't bring me on the show because I was the right match for the, mm-hmm. the, the Bachelor. They brought me on to make fun of me because I said I was a comedian. So after that, I, I wrote this piece about my experience doing it and I submitted it to a bunch of places and Hello Giggles, which at the time was Zoe Deschanel's uh, website, they loved the piece. They published the piece. That was my first published piece online. And uh, from that moment on, I kept blogging for them. And then after that, I was able to move on to other websites. I wrote for Thought Catalog. I wrote for Pop Sugar and worked for Pop Sugar for a year. I worked for Elite Daily. And then that transitioned into writing and hosting the Elite Daily show on Go90, which had over 400 episodes that I was wow. like, manning, which was crazy and amazing at the same time. 
Um, and then after that, all the while I was kind of working on this book, 20 guys you date in your twenties, because I was going on more dates than the average person. And I was kind of chronicling my dates and what was happening. That was like always a thing I did through my comedy or just through my blogs. And so I kind of put this book together. And as the time I was about to turn 30, I was like, you know, I feel like I should publish 20 guys you date in your twenties by the time you turn 30. Um, And so I was going to self-publish, but I ended up connecting with an amazing book agent who showed me what a proposal was. And I put a proposal together and that proposal led to my book deal with Chronicle. And then a couple of years later, the book came out and I had to write a book and that's a whole (laughs) other beast. (laughs) I love it. Isn't it crazy? Like even just broadcast journalism, I was on that same journey. I wanted to be the host of E! News. Like that was my dream. Yeah, that was always Um, a dream of mine too. (laughs) Yeah, but it's just crazy. Like I was kind of similar to you. I grew up writing. I love writing. I love journaling. I love looking back. I've kept all of my journals since I was five. And looking back and watching and seeing your experience, reliving it when you're older, I feel like naturally writers find their way into figuring out how they can best serve and add value. And I love that your journey, even working in production and comedy have all kind of led to you writing this book. Like all of these different life paths have led you here. It's awesome. Thank you. And yeah, I've gotten that feedback from people who know me really well. They like tear up reading the book because to them who've watched my journey and seen my path, they're like, this is your manifesto, like everything that you've done. It's all in this book. It makes so much sense. And I'm like, thanks. Uh, and I hope it helps people. That was really why I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Next goal. My mom actually wrote Chief Actor, but I oh. want to write the next level of it. I want to do it from my perspective. And that's, I'm starting to write it and bring together all the stories. Amazing. It's sometimes not fun to relive the bad moments, which I'm sure you can appreciate, but it's fun in a way of you see how much you've grown and learned over time. Well, reliving the bad moments, I relived them when I was writing the outline. I relived them again as I was writing the manuscript. I relived them again every time I edited it. And since it's so graphic heavy, it wasn't just <laughs> editing the words, but like editing the graphics. And then I just recorded my audiobook, which is now available wherever you listen to audiobooks. And so I had to relive it again with the audio engineer. So it's been a lot of like reliving, mostly funny, but some were pretty like, you know, traumatic at the time or just not what most people experience while dating. But I'm happy I was able to share it. (laughs) Well, I love the book because it kind of reminds me of a children's book for your 20s with Mm -hmm. all the graphics and charts and quizzes and just the way that you break down each guy, like you even have like the taste, the look, the sound, the smell, the feel, like I absolutely love how you've brought it all together and simplified it. So how did you get the idea to make it that way instead of just writing your traditional book? Yeah, thank you. Uh, Well, so I had written prior to like meeting the book agent and I was always like working on this book. I had other versions of it. Um, The very first version I wrote as part of a novel writing month. Um, And so it was, but it wasn't a novel. It ended up being a memoir. And then I kind of, from there, had played with the idea of 20 Guys You Date in Your 20s. The title that came because of all the blogging I was doing at the time, because listicles were so big, I thought it was so funny to take that feedback I used to get from my many editors at the female-driven blogs I used to write for. I would pitch them an idea and they'd be like, great, can you make it a list? And so I kind of took that advice as like the list for it. And then the idea to have charts and quizzes. Growing up, I had a diary where I wrote down all of my like love stories in this diary. And the format of that is kind of similar to this in a way because it had like song lyrics and poetry and pictures. And so I kind of loved 
the scrapbook idea. And so this idea for the design was actually inspired by magazines. I wanted the book to feel like you were flipping through a glossy magazine. Like I used to read with my friends, like YM or 17. Uh, TBT. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to have that nostalgic feel. And then another book I grew up loving, I'm a huge Simpsons fan. And there's a book called Bart Simpson's Guide to Life. So I kind of copied, not copied, but I was very inspired by the layout of that book, which I kind of incorporated into my book. So yeah, I'm happy it came up like that. I'm also happy that I got to work with a designer in designing it because my uh, proposal was all done on Canva and I had designed it myself. So it's not as beautiful as this, but it does get the point across of what I was trying to go for. Let me tell you, it helps so much to have a designer. When we first started Chief Factor, I was doing all the designs in Canva to myself and all of the social media and everything. And my cousin, actually, she's six months younger than me. We're like sisters and mm-hmm. our dads are twins. So we have oh, this wow. like weird telepathy thing going on. And she just gets me. And it's so nice. She'll be like, like, makes it work. It's amazing. It makes it so so much more enjoyable. But so basically the book, it's like a field guide to modern dating. But you also interviewed 19 of your exes for it. Tell me about that. That's a feat in itself. I mean, coming from a girl who literally doesn't talk to any of her exes anymore, I don't think I could ever do that. So how did that come up? And like, how did that go? Well, it was interesting because it was also an interesting time in my life. Uh, When I was writing the book, the book had changed. When I had started writing it, I was in a relationship. I had uprooted my life in Los Angeles to go live in Brooklyn with a guy that I was dating at the time. Interesting because I got into that relationship because of the whole like biological clock thing. I ended up settling, like Mm. being like, oh, this is the best I'll ever get instead of just realizing, hey, no, maybe work on yourself more before like being in a relationship. So we had broken up and that was definitely a ticking time bomb. I knew that was going to happen. So we had broken up as I was outlining the book. My manuscript was due around the time I was going through the breakup. I was living with my parents at the time that I was writing the manuscript and contacting all these exes. So it was interesting because in a way, contacting my exes was very therapeutic. It was a lot of closure. Um, I was nervous to reach out to some of them because a lot of them I hadn't talked to since we had like our final goodbye, like breakup, never want to see you again text. So I was nervous, but the good news was because I was in a relationship for like a year, every guy that I had reached out to, like enough time had passed where they they were in a better place. I was in a better place. And a lot of them were like excited for me, which was really cool and were supportive. Uh, And then others were kind of gaslighty. And then, uh, and then some were very encouraging and you can kind of get the idea when you read the responses, who was cooperating and who didn't want to cooperate. Well, it's funny because you get to know these people so well when you're in a relationship with them. Like, do you lose love for them? Do you always feel like that Do the bad moments, you know, ruin the, the good moments? And I'm sure for you, like reliving all these experiences, that doing that internal work almost for you and re relearning who you are and what you took away from those experiences. Well, and the biggest thing for me was noticing my pattern. And it was funny because the last chapter before the final chapter is, you know, the guy who makes you do you. So the guy who's supposed, you're you're supposed to hit rock bottom in dating where you're dating someone and it's not saying rock bottom because they suck. It's like rock bottom because you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, which is insanity. You have such like a a type where my best friend Joy used to always joke with me where she was like, Gabby, I swear to God, every single guy you date is the same guy with a different name. And she was right because I had such a pattern. I kept on dating the same types of guys who did the same type of thing, who had the same type of personality, who looked the same. It was just not cool. And I finally broke that pattern and I didn't break it after meeting the guy who I dated after the guy who makes you do you. And I fell into another relationship that was the same. 
and then finally, like after being single for a year, going on 30 dates in three days, like, you know, contributing to Cosmo, like really learning about dating, like making that my job and writing this book, I finally broke my pattern with the guy that I'm currently dating, my boyfriend who I live with now. So it is crazy. At least you were dating the same guy with the same name. No, I don't think, no, none of the guys in the book have the same name, which is interesting. I have been on a lot of dates with like, I feel like Mike and Matt is such a common name and I have dated a lot of Mike's and Matt's, I believe, or like went on a date with a Mike or Matt, but I don't think none of them have ever been my boyfriend. My, I, so I grew up with a single mom. My parents got divorced when I was two. And so she was dating like until she married my stepdad when I think I was 12 or 13. And so I saw a lot of the good and bad of dating, which is why I think I've been able to, I'm 24 and I'm in a pretty good, solid relationship that hopefully will you know, well, and I thought the way you were married because but... you said your last name was changed. I literally okay. changed it because I thought I was going into entertainment and oh. wanted to be, you know, a host on TV, whatever. And no one on TV can have the last name Ray Schneider. That's just it. <laughs> Give it. <laughs> so my mom got remarried and I changed my last name to my stepdad's last name, which funny enough, when I changed my name, my initials then were VAG. So oh, that no. was a really interesting thing that I never even thought about. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't realize that my last name sounds like uh, See You Next Tuesday with an I at the end. There until you go. I got into comedy and people intentionally butchered my last name because it yeah. was <laughs> But anyways, yeah. My mom dated like four Bryans. So that was always interesting. So yeah. at least they didn't all have the same name. Well, yeah. sometimes it makes it easier. I don't know. Uh, guys with like really obscure names though, I think. I've had the worst, like the most bizarre names. Finally have a boyfriend with a normal name, which is Tony, but now we're Tony and Tori. So <laughs> you guys sound like you're funny. a couple in a Billy Joel song or something. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> so you talk about all the, the 20 types of guys that you've dated, which were actually guys that you dated. So how do you think your wild dating journey has shaped your perspective of love, relationship, intimacy, obviously you're in a relationship now. So like, how did that contribute to your ideal person or what you thought you wanted out of your relationships? Well, it's funny because I have the opposite of you with my parents' relationship, and I feel like your parents' relationship is how you you see love, right? Mm-hmm. And so my parents have been together like my whole life. They were together before I was born. I'm an only child. They've been together. They just celebrated 40 years. Oh, and so- awesome. Yeah. So like growing up, it was always, I was like the weird kid that my parents were still together. Cause like all my friends in like the nineties and two thousands, their parents were divorced. Like that was the norm, you know? And so I think because my parents were together forever, I was in a pattern where I had a hard time ever dating a guy for more than like nine months because we would hit the nine months, like almost a year mark. And I'd be like, well, if he's not my husband, like, what am I doing? You know, like, <laughs> I like, I have to like think this is forever. If it's not going to be forever, like, bye, see ya. Um, Also paired with the fact that my mom had me later in life, I never really had a biological clock per se, like most of my friends did. But I do think that when I hit 27, that's kind of around the time where I started to panic a little bit because it went from, okay, yeah, you're single, just like everyone else, like, haha, Gabby's always dating, LOL, to like, oh, yeah, we're all, we all coupled up and like, well, you're still out in the wild, good luck. So I do think that through all that, the biggest thing and the thing I learned from writing the book, but I didn't see it as obvious, but I saw it more obviously when I uh, did the 30 dates in three days. And as my dad always says, you can change socks. You can't change people. You can't change a person. So if you go on a date with a guy and he tells you that, you know, he hates cats and you love cats, like you're not going to be able to change that. Like that's not going to happen for the most part. They are, they are exceptions to the rule. 
So I kind of learned that like guy is really not like a burn book, like this, like, you know, the guy who's an asshole, it's not like that. It's obstacles that I think you face anytime you're in a relationship at any age, regardless of your gender or sexuality. Um, and so I would come to that a lot being like, oh, okay. Yeah. So like the guy who's long distance, like, you know, when you first start dating the guy who's long distance that you are or going to be long distance and you try to see if you can make it work or not. So a lot of times I would kind of be lying to myself in terms of like dating a guy who's long distance and think to myself, oh, I can make this work. Like I would move whatever, or like, well, it'll work out. I don't have a problem with having a boyfriend who's long distance. When in reality, it didn't bother me. I like having a partner who's around a lot. So a lot of times like realizing I wasn't honest with myself, which was something that in my 30s, I started becoming brutally honest with myself. And so the second time around of being single, I was a lot more accepting, but also, you know, I wouldn't go on a second date with a guy who I didn't have a great first date with. I wouldn't put myself through it. Or if the guy told me something on a first date that I didn't find compatible with me, I wouldn't try to make it work, you know? Yeah, for sure. How does your current boyfriend feel about you being in this realm, writing this book, all of the things? He's super supportive. He's always has been. Um, and I really appreciate that about him. He, when we went on our first date, it was after the 30 dates in three days. So that was already out there. And that definitely put a damper in my dating life, but I it wasn't really, <laughs> wasn't really bothering me. So, People go Google you and that's the first thing that comes that's up. That's the first and- thing that comes out. Like, yeah, that would make it hard. People thought I was like part of, they were part of another experiment, which was not the case. Um, but on our first date, he had, I told him about that. And I'd also told him about my book. I'd showed him a PDF of it because it wasn't out yet, but I had turned in my book at that point. And he was very supportive. He thought it was very cool. And that was not usually the reaction I got with the guys I went on dates with. In the past, a lot of guys I went on dates with were like jealous. I guess writing a book is like a dream of a lot of people, like having being a published author, which to me, it wasn't. It was, I was like, I have this book. I want it to be out there. I just need to publish it. It was like more like that. And I would get a lot of envy. Like the guy I dated right before my boyfriend, I read him like an article of mine that I had just written for Cosmo. And he looked at me like I just told him like his hero had died and was like, you're a really great writer. That asshole, by the way, I know for a fact is my one one star review on Amazon. That guy has still not gotten over it and his ego that he went on Amazon and left me a one star review for my book. So like, screw that guy. So yeah, the fact that my boyfriend was immediately supportive, which by the way is rare, especially in a city like that's like really competitive. I just knew that he was the right guy for me. Um, It did create an obstacle in our relationship. Because in the beginning, he wasn't sure if I was for real or if this was part of another article. And so it took building trust and dating for a while for him to realize that it was the real deal and it wasn't a bit as he thought in the beginning. I didn't even think about that obstacle as a thing. But, you know, I, I do think that the foundation of any good relationship is that support. I mean, my grandparents have been married for 65 years, something along those lines. And yeah, I've seen my mom go through all the ups and downs and my dad and even my own relationships. And what all of the bad ones have come down to is that either that jealousy or just that unsupportive mindset. I mean, the first thing that stood out to me, I've talked about this on the podcast about Tony was that he was like, the, the thing I'm most attracted to you is, or the thing that, why that can't I think of the most to that you? Attract, yeah. <laughs> like, why can't I think of the right words to say here is how driven you are and motivated and how independent you are. And I was like, 
I don't think a guy has ever said that to me in my life. Well, because it, it's the it's the male ego, right? It's the mm-hmm. fragile male ego. And unfortunately, and a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it has to do with media. A lot of it has to do with upbringing. But like a lot of men are taught or grow up thinking that they need to be the star and that the woman just, you know, like fawns after them and supports them. And I've seen a lot of women dim their light to be with their partner when it's like not, it shouldn't be that. It's like, you should both be shining. You should both be supporting mm-hmm. each other. If one person wins, you both win. Like it just, it's so funny how a lot of women don't know that or they're just with partners and they think that's the best they can do. And to me, it's such a red flag if a guy is ever dismissive or like, you know, not encouraging to your path, your career, your passions. My ex was very jealous and very not supportive to the point that I started doubting, should I write a book when I had a book deal? Like, it's just crazy. And there's, and there's so many men out there like that. And, and that's the chapter of the guy who's toxic. And I, I feel for women who don't realize that they are stars. They're amazing, you know? Yeah, no, you put the nail on the head. You know, in the beginning of the book, you say, this isn't me man-shaming all of these guys. No. Like, it's not me, you know, saying that these guys are all assholes or that it was their fault or whatever it is. Like, this is simply like your experience and your field guide to help other women not face the challenges that you had to face and not learn those lessons later in life than right then and there. Which is why I, I interviewed people, which is why it's like, here's my story. Here's my experience. Here's what I've learned in the field per se. But that's why I wanted that page, ask someone else. And I, you know, I interviewed people of all different ages, of all different backgrounds, ethnicities, genders, sexualities to incorporate it. And that was the thing that I found is that these themes are universal, even though I'm writing the book as a straight white woman um, who lives in California, a lesbian in like, you know, Tennessee could say they had a similar relationship with their partner. Like I do believe that these are just relationship patterns and you can change the gender. Uh, On my second book, which I am working on, I do want to be more inclusive. I do want to be even more conscious that I'm, I'm making sure I'm not doing these blanket statements and that it is really relating. But I've, I've, the feedback I've gotten so far is it is relatable to, to everyone pretty much. So Good for you. That's awesome. You're already on to number two. You just came out with number one. That's amazing. Yeah, one, well, yeah, it takes a while to publish a book. Yeah, so I, it I does. Love the, you know, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it took us uh, at least two years to oh my publish goodness, yeah. and That's it's, right. And we just came out with a new book cover because I mean, when we first came out, like we didn't really think it was going to be a brand. Like we thought mm-hmm. it was just going to be the book. So we've had to kind of reshape it and revamp it. And it's a, it's a long process. So kudos yeah. to you. Thank you. You too. So, question for you. And I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but I think that when you're talking about dating and you're talking about all these guys, you know, that you've realized these patterns with, I think that a lot of women, especially in their twenties, their self-worth and their self-confidence takes a big hit in these situations. Like I've seen the breakup texts and the yeah. posts that you put out there. Did you ever have like that moment of like, is this me? Is it, is it my fault? Like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, I do have uh, in the chapter the guy who makes you do you like, that's definitely the thing where I do encourage the reader to look within themselves because it could be something that you're doing that you're not aware of. And usually that is that you are dating the same person or you are choosing people that aren't, that don't like accept you for who you are. Um, but yeah, of course it takes a toll when you go through a breakup, even if you know that the person was a jerk and that you deserve better. You, it's, it, of course I've taken it personally when things don't go well, especially I think in the chapter of the guy who's great on paper, that breakup hurt the most because I was a setup through a matchmaker and I had decided that I wasn't really into him. So I was like shocked when he told me that he wasn't into me as well, which I should have just taken as like, oh, great we're on the same page. We don't like each other. Okay. Never see you again. 
and we didn't see each other again until I reached out and I, we didn't even see each other then. But I just thought that was so funny. I was like, that, that hurt the most. Cause you're like, oh, you would, you, you hope that the people, you know, you dump or like that they like you as well. I don't know. So just it's like, kind of like you want what you can't have or like kind of that mentality, but not really. It's like, yeah. you know, I want you to I fight for me and, you know, want me and think that I'm your perfect person. Or that I wish that I had the balls to like, because what had happened is we had a second date and then I never heard from him. So I, like I reached out and I wish I had the balls just to say, Hey, you know, I want to thank you so much for your set for the second date. I don't really think I'm interested in a third. You know, I wish I just, just did that, you know, and I, I encourage women to do that too. <laughs> it's kind of funny if like, if, you know, ghosting is such a thing because usually people don't have the balls to tell you that they don't want to see you again. So instead of like asking, Hey, like, when are we hanging out again? If you weren't into it as well, like why not send a breakup text and see what happens? Or just, yeah. Say, you know, I, were you feeling it? Cause I wasn't feeling yeah. it. Like, let's get on the same page. It's crazy how hesitant we are as human beings to share those emotions. And especially yeah. in, a, in the sense of like, you're basically interviewing someone to be your life partner. Why can't we just come out and say those things? <laughs> or going on a, or you're interviewing someone to, do you want to spend, you know, like an hour, two hours, or even go on a second date? I think second dates should be a bigger commitment than they are. I think they should be a bigger deal. I feel like first date should be fun, especially like first online dates. Cause it's really, the first date is really more about like, okay, well, uh, do you have the in-person chemistry? So I don't think first date should last very long, but I do think a bigger deal is going on that second date. Totally. Which kind of leads me to my next question. Through your whole experience, how do you think is the best way to go about dating? Like, I'm just thinking back through some of my past conversations and Caitlin Bristow has been a huge advocate for our brand. So I've talked to oh. her about The Bachelor and Bachelorette and that experience. We had mm -hmm. somebody who was on Married at First Sight on our podcast. Um, you know, it's just all of these dating fantasies are out there right now. Yeah, I guess like, do you recommend dating apps, like meeting people naturally? Like, how do you think is the best way to date in this modern world? That's crazy. And not even considering COVID because that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I met my boyfriend on Bumble, which I didn't think was going to happen. I, I had got on so many dating apps, dates, uh, also after the 30 dates in three days that I didn't think it was possible to meet a significant other on dating apps. But what was wrong with that mentality is I was making a blanket statement about everyone on a dating app. And after all, I was on a dating app. I was a catch in my head. According to my mom, I'm sure there was another catch on a dating app. Um, and so I think it's really all about how you used it. And I, once I stopped wasting my time talking to guys who never wanted to meet up or were acting sketchy or like, you know, or had show me their red flags on their profile alone. Um, I, I, I made room for my boyfriend who was quick to respond, you know, set up a date, went on the date and that was it. And it was just like, that was it. So I do think that in terms of how to find a partner, if that's what you want, yeah. um, I mean, just be, have a really clear idea of what you want in a partner, but that should never be like superficial traits. It should never be like, has a good head of hair, drives a nice car. It should be more like, you know, um, is passionate about something other than his job, has wit, you know, enjoys the same culture that I do, is open-minded or whatever those things are. Those are my things, but whatever is important to you, I think should be those traits. And then to only seek out people like that. So I think you could do that anywhere. And I wouldn't even say that Bumble is the best dating app because Bumble made sense for me because I'm someone who doesn't mind reaching out to a guy first. But if that intimidates you, if that feels weird to you, then Bumble's probably not the right dating app for you. You're probably going to have better luck on Hinge where it's more of a mutual connection, mm -hmm. which for me, I didn't like Hinge because I didn't like the idea that guys I wasn't interested in had the ability to reach out to me. I don't like yeah. that. So I liked how Bumble, I was able 
to basically streamline who I was interested in and only talk to those people. And I, I think we've had high expectations with dating since like, you know, romantic movies were yeah, around. Totally. Um, and I think that a lot of people think that, I mean, and I write about that in my book. It's like, you know, true love is like, Disney romances are flawed. Rom-coms are flawed. Uh, love Caitlin, but like, no offense to the Bachelor franchise. The Bachelor franchise is also flawed in terms of a setup for meeting your partner. It's so cool that she found someone who was in that world because that makes so much sense. Like, I feel like after you go through that, it, that's why there's such a high success rate with Bachelor in Paradise. That's why there's a higher success rate with The Bachelorette than there is with The Bachelor. But The Bachelor currently has the lowest success rate. Only one couple, one winning couple. So that doesn't, I'm not counting Ari and Lauren because that wasn't the winning couple. Like winning. One couple that picked each other are still together after all of those 20 something seasons. Like that's a 4% success rate. Like it doesn't work. And what they did very well in the first season of The Bachelor and they don't do it anymore or The Bachelorette, the very first Bachelorette, they had The Bachelorette get to see the guy she was dating's real life apartment that was not a set. And that is so important because like you need to see what life is gonna look like outside of that franchise. And it's such a fantasy world. And I, I came up with a dating term for it because I think we, we also do this in our own dating lives and I call it bachelor lighting and it's like gaslighting, but you're getting an experience that feels like the bachelor and you think you're into someone, but really you just like nice restaurants. And so <laughs> that's why I feel like first dates should be low key because I think it's really important to be unapologetically yourself because if you're not that, you're either deceiving someone or you're going to attract someone who is like the fake version of you. You really need to be yourself. And I think that, you know, going on fancy dates is not the answer. That should be a celebration after you have established that you guys are right for each other. Speaking of dates, what is the worst date or dating experience that you've ever had? Oh my God. Well, so many. There was I'm sure you get asked this all the time. <laughs> I do because I think about like the last couple of dates I've been, I had been on recently. I definitely will say that, you know, the guy I had dated right before my, my boyfriend, that was a terrible experience. And this was again, a perfect example of um, when people show you their, who they are and their red flags, you should trust and you shouldn't fight it. So that guy, we went on a first date pre 30 dates in three days. Before that, he was one of the last, he kind of inspired me to do the 30 dates in three days. We had a really great first date that was exactly how I think first dates should be. It was very casual. It was happy hour. We totally hit it off. He had texted me after and then ghosted on me on a text message that he had initiated, which was like a huge red flag. Never heard from him again. Then four months later, we matched on another dating app. And I was just like, well, let's see if he, let's see if he, if he's going to say what, what he has to say for it. And he had some like bullshit apology and we grabbed drinks and then we like dated for like a couple of days. And then he did the same thing. Well, first of all, one date that was really bad is he insisted on taking me out to see a movie matinee during a weekday when we both like worked from home and we're both like, it just didn't make sense. I was like, okay, this is weird. So he got the tickets, which were not expensive because it was a matinee. And it was his idea. He wanted to go take me to see a movie. And he also insisted that we get drinks before the movie. So we were getting drinks at 3 p.m. on like a Wednesday. Very weird. And then when the bill came for the drinks, which was happy hour and 20 bucks, he's like, hey, do you mind us splitting this? And like, it just, it should have been like, and again, I'm not trying to like, you know, call him cheap, but to me, it's just like, oh, 
he doesn't respect me. He didn't respect me when he ghosted me. He didn't respect me when he asked me to go to an afternoon movie and then asked me to pay, like split a $20 tab. Like this is all going downhill from here. And then he ended up flaking on me again. And I had, that was the last guy I, I sent him like a, a text that I was like, look, I don't, I really am not interested in, in having an, another date with you. Like you don't respect me. You'll, you never will. So oh, gosh, <laughs> they, they exist. They're out there. Um, but I think, you know, I think a lot of women will, or and men probably take the bad dates as an excuse to either stop dating or settle. Right. And like, I really do think like, take it from someone who's been on as many dates as I have. And I met someone amazing. I don't think you have to go on 10,000 hours worth of dates in your twenties and 30 dates in three days. Like don't do that. What you should do though, is read my book and learn from my mistakes and use that to guide your own life. That's why I do what I do because I just want to help other people through my failures and, and, and I, and it worked because I ended up finally applying what I learned that took all of my twenties and uh, you know, and a year out of my thirties, like finally applying that, that is where I met the perfect guy for me. So, and through all of that experience that you've had, what would you say your top five takeaways have been that you think, especially women in their twenties can, can learn from you without giving away too much? Because obviously I want people to read your book. And I'll give it to you because, you know, and also this, the second book is going to be more of like an overall dating handbook that will cover everything from like the date relationship, everything. But I will say that like first piece is we, we learned this when we were growing up as a kid, our friends would say it, that no guy will ever make you cry. And the one who does won't be worth your tears, right? If you are finding yourself crying more in a relationship, like that is the biggest red flag, like get out. It's like not, it literally is not worth your time. A second one is uh, pay attention to red flags. Don't make up excuses for them. If people show you who they are, accept it. If you can live with it, go on that second date. If you really know deep down that you can't make it work, don't try to make it work. Don't try to force something that isn't there. Third thing is I would say uh, first dates should be less than an hour. I wrote a piece about it, the 57 minute date. I still stand by this first date should not be a bachelor lighting experience. It should not be like wine and dine and like red carpet and like everything that we have been seeing in movies. That's a terrible first date. First date should be casual, especially if you meet online. It should all be about establishing a connection and seeing if you have a connection or not. And then your second date can be really great. Um, the other thing too, is like, trust your gut. And I think that goes with everything from trust your gut. If you're into someone or if you're not into them, if you feel like something's off, but also trust your gut in certain terms of like, should you text them? Because there's no rules. The three day rule to like, wait for them to text you, whatever. Like, I really do believe that you should be authentically who you are when you're dating someone. If he can't handle it, it really is his loss. And I don't believe that the quote, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. I don't think that's a good quote because I do think that you shouldn't like, why are you your worst? Like it's yourself, be who you are. The last thing is, you know, know that relationships are, there's always room to grow. And that just because you're in a relationship, it doesn't mean that you should just throw in the towel and be content. You should still be working on yourself. Your partner should still be working on their self. Don't ever get to a point where you're just like, oh, well, you know, this is it. And, and, take, and take accountability and responsibility for your flaws and the things you do in a relationship. But it also shouldn't be that you're apologizing all the time because that's not a balanced relationship either. Well, to close it out, what is your favorite moment from the book? And then after that, how can people find you, engage with you, all those things? Um, well, I guess the favorite moment since they're like 20 short stories, do you like favorite story, I guess? Yeah. 
Um, one of my favorite stories was actually, I think it is, it's the guy who made me do you. It's like one of my favorite stories because it's just so insane what happened and I won't spoil it, but I will tell you that it involves an iPhone and it's just like, it was a thing that I, I look stupid. Like I did something that was like so embarrassing that might make you cringe, but at the same time, if you have currently like done something that you regret in dating, perhaps reread that chapter because it might make you feel better about it. And then my book, it, 20 Guys You Date in Your 20s, which I don't know if I said like the format, but basically every chapter has a short story about my own experience dating this type of guy who I think is basically types of relationships that you could fall in anytime you're single. So there's a short story, there's charts, there's quizzes, and then there's dating advice from my ex, which is where the 19 exes come from experts and a successful couples. So hoping that that book helps you navigate your way through dating. It's a great gift. It's a great thing to have on your coffee table. It's a light read. It's something that's really fun to flip through. It's available wherever books are sold. And it also is currently available as an audiobook wherever you buy audiobooks. And so, yeah, that's it. <laughs> awesome. No, so great. And Give us a little teaser as much as you can give us of what the second book is going to be. I know you kind of mentioned it's going to be like a full handbook on all things dating. Yeah. So it's not official yet, but the, definitely the second book is meant to be more of an all-encompassing, inclusive dating book that is a guidebook that is more just like each chapter will be giving you a piece of dating advice, kind of like the five points I just gave. And we'll go into more depth. I think similar format because I really enjoyed having this be as colorful as it is. Uh, and my goal with everything I write and all the dating advice I give is I never want to give advice so black and white. I never want to say dump him like that. I'm just going to give you the tools and you can decide what you want to do with that situation. And my second book will stay in that theme as well. Well, I can't wait to finish reading the book um, and get the hard copy because I love everything that you've done with it, just how interactive uh -huh. it is. And I think too, in a time, I hope that this isn't the case, but I think that books are kind of, you know, getting passed off as, you know, people don't, people listen to them or listen to podcasts or whatever it is. I think it's the perfect way to feed to the millennial Gen Z generation of like, let's interact together. Let's do this together. Let's learn from each other. And so far, I'm absolutely in love with it. So great job. Thank you. Um, and thank you for being on. I'm so glad oh. this worked out. You're so inspiring. So Aww. hilarious. I love, love, love everything you put out there. So thank you. you for offering such great advice and guidance for all of our community. Happy to, happy to. Looking for more than a weekly dose of She Factor? Find us on social media at The She Factor or head to our website, thesheefactor.com to keep up to date with all the trends on our blog and daily She email. Still want more? Subscribe on our app for access to live events near you, special offers from our brand partners, and lots of exciting tools to help you launch your life. Thanks for listening and see you next week.